everybody. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday. It's the 16th of September, 2012. You know, the last, between now and the last show, I didn't really get any feedback. So I, I love to get feedback from you guys. I think it makes the show more interesting and more diverse, and you get to hear uh, other things from people other than myself. So I'd uh, really uh, like to hear from you guys if you got questions or comments or suggestions or uh, anything like that, go ahead and send that in. There are about three or four different ways that you can go ahead and contact me. You can go over to the website, which is firearmscafe.com, and on the right-hand side of the screen is a little icon that says send a voicemail. You can use your computer microphone to go ahead and record an audio file, and that'll be sent to me automatically. Or if you'd like to record your own audio file to be played on the show, you can either do a WAV file or an MP3 file, send that to me, and I can put it on the show for you. Uh, or if you'd like to send an email, I can uh, read that out for you on the show as well. The email would be firearmscafe at gmail.com to where you could just send your regular old email or your audio recordings. If you're going to do a WAV file, sometimes the audio quality on that is better than, than, than shooting out an MP3. However, with the WAV file, sometimes they're too big and your email client won't let you send it. If that's the case, you can use a, a service called transferbigfiles.com. It's free. You upload the, the file to them with my email address. They send me an email telling me I've got a file there that needs to be downloaded, and then I can get it that way. Uh, so again, love to hear from you guys. Like I said, I think it does make the show much more interesting uh, so you don't just hear me droning on and on. Let's talk about a couple of uh, blow-ups or ongoing blow-ups, I guess you could say. The first one we'll talk about is... Uh, the whole 1911 kerfluffle, and then we'll also talk about the uh, recent recoil magazine incident. And uh, so let's go ahead and jump in with the 1911 thing. Now, in full disclosure, I am not a 1911 guy. I tried to be a 1911 guy. Uh, I'd like to own eventually an old Colt. I'd like to own a uh, an old 1911, maybe from the 40s or 50s, and fix it up and just have it as a fun little plinker. Uh, but I wouldn't carry that as a, a self-defense firearm. And the reason why for me is because every 1911 that I've ever shot, and I've, granted, I've only shot about three of them. I've shot a Taurus, a Springfield, and an actual Colt. They all malfunctioned, every single one of them. Whether that was a magazine, uh, I don't know. But those were the magazines that came with the gun from the factory. I had failures to feed, failures to eject. I had uh, on the Springfield, on the on the second to last round, it would jam up every time. It would jam in there. It would kind of stovepipe, uh, so it wouldn't eject correctly. So of course, then it's not going to feed in that next round. And so I don't. I, again, I don't know if they're they're uh, magazines or you have to buy aftermarket magazines. In my opinion, you should be able to. What comes in the gun should work with it. And if it doesn't, you may want to look at a different platform. And I would say that about any any manufacturer. So Smith & Wesson, FN, Glock, whoever. If, if the stuff can't work out of the box, then I, for me, I don't think you should buy it. I think you should find something that can actually work. Now, the whole 1911 thing kind of started up again when uh, Rob Pincus, who had... Uh, 
put out a, a video of a, a gentleman who was in his class that had a little, a smaller Kimber 1911 style uh, that just wasn't working. And he came out and he said, look, these smaller ones, they just don't work. In every class, whoever brings these in here, they always have major problems and they have so many problems that they can't get what they need to get out of the class. Uh, guys like James, and so that's, and then of course everybody got up in arms that own 1911s, and then you had the other camp who people who say uh, that maybe, uh, for lack of a better term, maybe think a little bit more like I did or had the same experience that I had with them, um, that felt that there's better options out there. And so you have sort of these two camps and everybody's, you know, getting their feelings hurt and all this other stuff. Then you got a guy like James Yeager, who's saying who uh, is saying that he doesn't like 1911s or production models of them. You got a guy like Gabe Suarez who basically is saying the same things that they think that there are other platforms that are out there. Basically all three say the same thing, that there are other platforms that are out there that work better. Uh, and there are even other 45 caliber platforms out there that work better than the 1911s and you can get more capacity, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so if you go, if I can find those videos, I'll link them to the show over at firearmscafe.com and I'll, I'll drop those in for you. I think I'll be able to find the Jaeger one. Um, but anyway, it's funny how people get so attached to certain things and then they, they, they sort of put on blinders once it comes to that thing that they've chosen. And it's not just with, with guns, it could be with cars or uh, you know, so you have a guy that's a Dodge guy or a guy that's a Chevy guy or a guy that's a Toyota guy or, you know, and that's the brand they're going to stick with. And then anything that's kind of maybe a, a, a downside or a con of that, you know, if we want to look at it that way, they overlook that or they make excuses for that because they, they like more of the pros. And look, every everything that you that you have is pretty much there's going to be pros and cons to it. And what you want is you want the negatives to be outweighed by the positive. So you want to have way more positive things than than are negative. And hopefully that will over, and the positive things may overcome those things. With firearms, we tend to want things to work 100% of the time. And I don't know if that's necessarily a realistic uh, goal or attitude or expectation, I guess is probably the best word. I don't know if that's a really a realistic expectation because anything that's made by humans is subject to failure. Nothing is going to work 100% of the time, you know, and you see these people on, you know, and it's on both sides of the coin. You know, my 1911 ran 500 million rounds without ever cleaning it and, uh, you know, using the crummiest ammo and I never had one failure. And then you get the same thing on the on the polymer side. My gun, man, I buried it underground in a pool of hot lava, and I pulled it out, and it still ran fine. And it made me a sandwich afterwards. You know, so, like I said, people tend to to not be as objective as they should be, I think, especially when it comes to something that you're going to depend on to save your life or the life of your family, or if it was something where you felt you had to get involved. I'm not a big proponent of getting involved unless you absolutely have to. That doesn't mean you never get involved in something that doesn't involve you or your family, but you don't, you know, jump, run, you know, whip your gun out, run in and start, you know, shooting bullets like the police do in New York and just spray and pray. 
um, you know, you need to understand what's going on. And if you do get involved, that there may be consequences. Uh, if you feel that, you know, this guy's getting beat to death with a shovel. Yeah. You may need to, you know, to jump into that. If it's something where you see, you know, somebody pulling somebody or they're having a scuffle, well, maybe, you know, maybe you be a good witness. Uh, you know, unless you see things that are going to where you think, well, that guy's going to die if I don't inter- if I don't intervene. Uh, so anyway, getting back to that whole the whole discussion, you know, like I said, I don't have a lot of trigger time with 1911s. I'm sure there is stuff out there that's good. What all of these guys, the three guys that I mentioned, so Suarez, Jaeger, Pincus, they all talk about the thing of of stacking tolerances of that the guns. If they're made uh, very, very high-end, you tend not to have the problems. But as production guns, what you usually have to do is once you buy them, you've got to go have them worked on to make them work correctly. And those, uh, and I'm of the same opinion of, of, of some of those guys when I think you should be able to pick it up out of the box and run it. That doesn't mean that there may not be a little bit of a break-in period. Uh, but having said that, I never had a break-in period with a revolver. I never had a break-in period with a Glock. I never had a break-in period with an AK. Uh, and these are all things that are extremely reliable. Um, I haven't, and now on on the other side, I haven't really heard of having a break-in period with some of the M&Ps. I haven't really heard of having a break-in period um, with some of the... Um, uh, what's that? Uh, some of the um, I can I'm having a total fade here right now, uh, but anyway, um, I've I've totally lost. I'm just gonna have to move on. But anyway, there's certain brands that you don't really hear about them having uh, have a break-in period. They just work. Uh, so let me know what you guys think on that. I'd be real interested to hear you know pros and cons and all that stuff. And uh, feel free to give your opinion. But try not, you know, don't get super emotional about it. Just try and be logical and, and detach emotion from it. And, and uh, you know, look, I've, I've bought stuff and I've bought guns that I've thought, you know what, this just, it just doesn't work. Um, and I've sold them off and got different things. So, uh, and, and you, you can't get so attached to stuff that you keep things that may not work for you too well. All right, let's go ahead and talk about... Um, the recoil magazine incident. For those of for those of you guys that don't know, basically what happened in Recoil Magazine, they were uh, reviewing a you know new gizmo from HK, and and basically what they said in the article, and this is paraphrasing, but basically what they said in the article was that there was no legitimate reason that anybody who is not military or police should have that so meaning you or i if you're not military or police we don't have there's there's no we can't be trusted with this is basically what they're saying that there was no sporting purpose so there's no hunting purpose there was no like gaming purpose for you to have it i mean things like idpa and you know steel challenges and all that kind of stuff um and that there was no legitimate even defensive purpose for the average person uh, to have the average person again who is not and when you when and when you look at this you have to understand what they're really saying 
there's no reason for somebody who is not an elite, who is not been given the okay by the government, that they get to exercise that part of the Second Amendment, but we don't. And then, and so what they're saying really is too is that Second Amendment for some, but not you. The elites get to have it, but not you. You sit down and you shut up and you be content with what we allow you to have. You know, for me, I don't really make any bones about it. I think anything that the military or police have, we as fellow citizens should have. You know, when they they make the distinction... And they try and do it with police. Police, uh, but again, just because you're in the military, just because you're police, you're still a citizen of this country. You're still the same as me. I don't think that they, you know, uh, but especially with police, you know, you still, you're still subject to all the laws that you, that you're supposed to, uh, you know, I hate using the word enforce, uh, but you're still subject to all the same laws that I'm subject to. So that if I do something wrong and you did the exact same thing, we should both be treated equally. Um, same with the military. You know, you, uh, I, 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 and again, I don't know enough about how the legal system works within the military. So if anybody is out there that knows Give me some of the differences, because like I said, I, I'm totally ignorant on the matter. I have, I really have no idea. Um, I had friends of mine that were in the Air Force and friends that were in the uh, Army and friends that were in the Marine Corps, and there were certain things that, if they did, it seemed like the due process for them, you know, as, as I look back as, as, as an older person now, um, that I didn't really understand as, you know, that 17 or 18 year old. Uh, but it seemed like a lot of times the, the due process is short circuited for those guys, um, that they have a different process they go through. So anyway, let me know, uh, on that, what some of the differences are. I'd, I'd really be interested in that. And again, if you want to do a recording or, or do a, uh, uh, an email, I can read that stuff out. I'd, uh, I'd love to get some background on that. Uh, but anyway, getting back to the whole recoil thing, you know, basically uh, it, it boils down to my interpretation of what they said was that, again, there are certain people who are going to get to have Second Amendment rights, and there are certain people who are only going to get to have, they get to have some, but not as much. They get to have fewer, so you get a smaller piece of the pie. And then what they did is they came on, and I saw a thing on Facebook, and they, you know, backpedaled and said, no, 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 we support, you know, a person's right, and we think, you know, of course a civilian should be able to own this firearm, and of course, uh, you know, all people, we're, we're ardent supporters of the Second Amendment. And this was just what the manufacturer said. And this is what their feeling is. And I guess, again, I don't have a lot of background with HK, 
um, when you, you talk to people that have had some experience with them, I guess they're not very, from, from their standpoint, they are much more government than they are non-government. So if you're, if you work for the government in, in HK's opinion, you're okay to have their guns. If you don't, eh, you probably shouldn't own that because you're not to be trusted with them is, is what I kind of get from, from people that, that uh, have a little bit more experience with them. No, that's one of the, well, that's one of many reasons why I, I won't ever buy an HK product. Uh, I don't want to support a company that doesn't support me. Uh, plus they're, they're hideously expensive. Um, I think they're way overpriced for what you get. Uh, and I also think that there's other things out there that do the exact same thing just as well for a lot less money. And I know people, again, like we talked about before, people's buttholes are puckering up right now and they're getting angry and they they say, I have an HK and how dare you tell me this isn't the right thing. <laughs> again, I don't really care if you, you know, what you own. You're big boys and girls. You, you buy what you want. I'm not telling you what to do. Uh, I'm just saying for me, I'm not going to choose to support that company because I know I know when when you get down to the bottom line that they don't support me. Um, I know that companies and look all these companies throughout the years have pulled bonehead moves, uh, but most of them now really understand that the civilian market, for lack of a better term is the way to go. That's where you're going to make the majority of the money. And then there are other companies out there that what they want is they want the government contracts. And they don't and that's where they're going to make their bread and butter and then the gravy for them is the civilian uh, or, or the non-governmental areas. So anyway, let me know what you guys think about the whole recoil thing. I think that they said what they meant to say. It, it's not like some guy just blurted this out in an interview. It's in print, which means the guy had to write the article, look at it, read it over, say, yeah, okay, everything looks good here. He it had to go up sort of their chain of command or whatever, and at every step, nobody said, hey, you, you may, you know, did you really mean this, or is this something that the manufacturer said? And But they didn't do that. They They put it out the way that it was, and now there's going to be a consequence for that. Now, that doesn't mean that, there's, that their First Amendment rights are being trampled upon. They can say what they want, but they are a business. And in any business, you have to make decisions. And some of those decisions are going to make you money and make you successful. Some of those decisions are not. And they made a decision that wasn't very successful. But again, I think they said what they meant, and they wrote what they meant, and they put out what they meant. So I'll never buy that magazine. Um, it's like that whole thing, you know, oh, a few years ago. What was that guy's name? Was it Zumbo? Was that who it was? Anyway, he was a guy that basically said that, uh, you know, the AK was a terrorist rifle and nobody should have them. And, you know, and he even kind of went on to say even like, well, why should anybody even need anything like an M16? And, they, you know, you can't hunt with them and blah, blah, blah. And there was huge backfire from that, huge backlash. And, uh, again, you know, you sort of reap what you sow. So, anyway, let me know what you guys think, and uh, we can play it on the next show. All right, I think 
Uh, oh, I do have one other announcement. Um, I don't really have any sponsors on the show. Um, but what I... Uh, there is a donate button. If you go over to the website, you can see it. If you can, donate. If you don't, if you can't, you know, don't. Um, but every little thing that we get sort of helps the show and helps support the show. I think I'd mentioned in the last one, or if not in this one, I think I'd mentioned in the Armed Ape that I had some plans to do some Kydex stuff. I'm actually going to sort of maybe throw my hat into the ring. I'm still on a learning curve of making holsters and making some mag carriers and some different things here and there. Um, I'm what I'm what I'm finding is is that in order to make things to a level to where I would actually feel good about trying to sell them, I need some more equipment. Um, I've made a few things and they've turned out okay and they'd be fine for me to, to use. Um, but they're not, I'm not at the point right now where I would feel comfortable selling it to one of you guys as a listener. Um, and you know, realistically, I, I, uh, you know, the whole donation thing, it's, I'm real flattered that somebody would do that and I appreciate it. But I would much rather be able to, if you're going to give me money, I'd much rather be able to give you something in return. So uh, once I get some of these things down a little bit more, I'll post some pictures on Facebook on, under the Firearms Cafe page. I'll also do some things over at my YouTube channel, which is 525 Donuts. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, but like I said, right now I'm sort of in a learning process and a learning curve. And with Kydex, and it's the same, I, I guess, with leather. What you find is that there's, of course, there's ticks, tricks and tips and, and uh, to the trade and everything. Um, but with, with the actual design of that stuff, whether you're looking at Kydex or leather or whatever, in order for it to function properly and to be a safe holster and to be durable and... Um, to be well made, you're doing a thing, you kind of, from a design standpoint, you sort of have to go function over form. And I've seen, and you know, when I first started thinking about doing this and everything, I'd sketched out a bunch of things and did a bunch of things and I had all these different ideas. And then when you go to start making them, you sort of understand, well, that idea maybe kind of looked good on paper, but it's not practical. It's not going to work. It doesn't. There's not enough material to adequately support the holster. Um, or you say, well, here's this design that I made, and I think it's this real unique design. And then you go and you look on, you know, you do a search or something, or, or you go and look at some of the other holster companies, and what you see is again. Because you, it has to function a certain way first over form. And so that's why when you go to different manufacturers, you see that a lot of them look the same. Uh, it's, it's almost like if you, know, if you looked at a shirt. There's really only so many ways you can design a shirt uh, in order for it to still be a shirt or a pair of pants or a pair of shoes. Um, so that basic form... And especially, you know, with things, you know, when we look at holsters or mag carriers or things like that, there's not a lot of different designs that you can do and have them still hold up and have them still function properly and have them be durable enough to where that, again, somebody like uh, that I would feel uh, 
confident enough in that product to, to put it out there in the world. So anyway, probably I'm, what I'm hoping is, is I can get enough research and stuff done uh, maybe by October or so to have some things available. And what I'm going to start off with is kind of with some of the stuff that I have, uh, which is Glock. Um, Glocks are pretty, uh, again, uh, prevalent out there. So I think I'll probably start off with that and see how that goes. And then if there are other uh, models and brands or, um, that I can use, I can then m- make the investment and try and make some of those. So anyway, I'll keep you guys updated on that. Uh, with that too, oh, another thing you may have noticed that the, the, uh, the opening and the closing to the show are a little bit different. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit different. What I'm trying to do is I'm going to tie in and just use the same uh, music and opening that I have for um, the Armed Ape podcast, my other another show that I do, uh, just sort of to tie everything together. Uh, and eventually I'll, I'll have a, um, uh, like a store button, so to speak, you know, where you can go to the, either website and click on it and it'll take you to um, the the storefront. And again, this, this is going to be something in another month or two that will uh, that I'll hopefully be able to have up and running. So uh, if any of you guys know of anybody that's good with website design um, and that you had good experience with, uh, let me know. Uh, again, I'm out in Arizona, um, but I don't know even if I, again, I know so little about the web design stuff. I don't know if somebody in, you know, Michigan or somebody in uh, Texas could design the stuff for me and, you know, we could just talk over the phone or talk over the computer or whatever. So anyway, if you guys have any suggestions on somebody you think is really good with web design, uh, let me know. All right, my friends, I will talk to you guys next time. Stay safe and take care.
the devil has given him superhuman strength. Houdini!